caray. The winners, the people, the places, and everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat on Radio Tab. And they come down the side of the track now. They've got about 600 metres left to run. And we still have this line of three. Ten Town Martyrs the inside. Wild Element the centre and Gossio is three deep outside of the pair as they run towards the home turn. Now they've got about 400 metres left to run. And now Ten Town Martyrs slipped a little bit more leather. He led by a length coming around the turn. Trying to get into second was Gossio. Wild Element out two lengths away in third. So Ten Town Martyrs staying down near the rail. About to be joined by Gossio throwing out the gauntlet and Wild Element right down the outside. Ten Tower Barter's gone! Now taking the lead was Gossio from Wild Element and Gossio comes away to win by a length of Ten Tower Barter's and two away to Wild Element in third. It was only a three-horse race, but uh, had plenty of excitement in it with Jared Whistle's call there of Gossio for Nat Morton and Kim Afford taking out the 1,090-metre open there at Bundaberg Races on the weekend as we welcome you to Bushbeat for another week here on Radio Tab, looking back at country racing and the week that was. And this morning, a special feature coming up on the show, the uh, seven race meeting season for King Island races where the surf meets the turf in Tasmania. All wrapped up on the weekend. They started back with their ladies and tradies day back in the early part of December. Their Vortex Fly Day was the last uh, meeting of the seven and we're going to uh, showcase the, uh, the King Island uh, season for you on the show this morning. But lots of other news to get through this morning and as always helping us out with that news is Rob Luck. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Tony. How are you this morning? Well, thank you. Nice to see some rain around the southeast corner. Hopefully it's getting out to a few other areas that need it as well. Uh, it, it gets an overcast sky out here, but nothing seems to come out of it. Uh, but I believe you're getting good rain down there. And uh, great to hear Jared Wessels with that call coming out of the three-horse event at Bundaberg. And as you would guess, Tony, by the nature of the call, it's one of those cases, the outsider of the field in small fields upsets the odds-on favourite. Mm. $1.25, 10-tail barters. Yeah, it was a... Uh, a nice win there for Gossio. Jared's with us this morning on Bushbeat. Welcome along, Jared. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, good morning to you, Jared. I suppose the first thing that stands out with the Bundaberg meeting, and it's probably a case of the time of the year, uh, but the uh, the fields fell away to a three and a four horse field in two of the races, but plenty of excitement in that open handicap. And as by your call, uh, obviously 10 Talbatas was the one everyone expected to win, but Gossio caused the upset. Yes, a uh, very, very exciting race. Uh, he presented first up in this race, 10 Talbatas. And look, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but he, he probably was going to uh, always be better for the run. And, and Gossio, look, he, he's got some very good form around Bundaberg. Just again, in hindsight, looking back, uh, he's competing with horses like uh, Chris Cross, Murata, back when we uh, were racing in the, the zone period uh, in the, the middle part of last year. And, and just coming back off a bit of uh, a freshen up, he was off the, off the back of a two-month break and maybe just with a, a little bit extra sprint in his legs, he was able to run over the top of 10 Taubatas, who uh, was very game in second. Look, he had a long preparation last time and, uh, as I said, he was first up off a break and, and he's a horse who's uh, the long-term goal is well and truly the Bundaberg Cup in July. So um, I think he's going to take plenty of benefit from that run uh, and I think it'll be a slow build-up for him towards that, uh, that big feature in the middle of the year. Yeah, the Gossio, the Love Conquers All, has got, as you said, great record at the track. He's a 50% win record with four wins out of eight and two seconds. And, and even Wild Element, uh, Jared, he, it's, it's got a decent uh, sand track record. So a little quality three-horse field, that one. 
Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Wild Element, um, he's been racing around the, you know, those uh, sort of 0 to 55, 0 to 60 handicaps, and he's been always really competitive um, uh, despite often carrying uh, these big weights. So he was up a little bit in grade on Saturday, but yeah, only beaten three lengths, so he was well and truly competitive in, in what was, a, as we said, a small field, but a strong field. Well, a couple of things stood out to me in this meeting, that the dual acceptors won uh, two races, and, uh, of course, Gossier was one of them, and uh, Lucky Marchu, which was a dual acceptor scratch from the last, in the following race, it uh, bobbed up there for Mark Lewis and uh, Robbie Farr, the six-year-old by Piero. Yes, he elected to go, um, or Mark elected to take Lucky Marchu just to that 1,212-metre race, and... Gee, this was some kind of win. He completely bombed the start. He was a little bit reluctant to go into the gates as it was and uh, missed it by about six lengths, steadily uh, built into his work. And, yeah, he finished off really nicely. Um, looked like he was going to probably win by two or three lengths with a couple hundred metres to run, but maybe just um, was found wanting late after doing a, a stack of early work. But, yeah, very, very strong win. Uh, Layla's lad, pretty game in second, and they put a, a bit of a gap on uh, on Uber Rock and Pat's girl, the other two in the race. We always love looking at uh, horses that have been really well named, and I don't know what it was about this one that made me look it up and have a, a look at it, guys, but the first race winner, Jared uh, Scarab, is uh, is trained by George Sitek, and I thought, that's an unusual name for a horse. Looked at its breeding by Hinchinbrook out of Kepri, or Chepri, perhaps, and then I thought, well, that's an unusual name, and, of course, Uncle Google is your friend, Kepri was the uh, scarab-faced god in ancient Egyptian religion representing the morning sun and represents creation and the renewal of life. So if it's out of the well, air, Kepri, and it's named Scarab, that's actually quite well named. Mm. They've put a bit of thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> They've uh, certainly spent plenty of time in, in, in naming this mare. Well, this was quite a good win. I think she's a mare who's probably going to uh, to get a little bit better over further. Um, this was her third run-up here in Queensland. Uh, since transferring from uh, down in New South Wales. And interestingly enough, you see five runs ago, she finished uh, sixth and a meter behind a horse called Canaan, who's had a, a massive rap on him for a long time, a horse trained by Chris Wallace. So she's been in pretty good company early on in her career. Um, she was well beaten in a, a very short half-mile meter dips, which first up uh, up here in Queensland. And, and then uh, again, over in a 1,060-meter maiden at Kilcoy. But just on Saturday, she was really able to build into her work and, and her last 100 was definitely her best 100. So I think she's a mare who's uh, only going to get better as the uh, the distances keep getting further. She was originally uh, with, uh, just having a look at Racing Australia page, uh, she originally with Bjorn Baker and then went to Jeff Engelbrecht before George picked her up the, after a... Uh, a uh, a couple of runs for, for Jeff and only a handful of, well, I think it was only a, a, the one run there for, for Bjorn and a handful of trials. I don't know if there was some issues with her along the way uh, because uh, what is she now? I'm just trying to find what she... Four-year-old now, Tony? Yeah, four-year-old now. So, you know, very lightly race. That was only start number nine in her first win. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of uh, patience that's gone into that horse along mm. the way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Not, uh... Sorry, Joe. Sorry, go you on. go, Rob. No, I was going to say, if anyone thinks in the show when they're listening that we're not working in the background, uh, Tony's just proved it that we are. Great research there, mate. Oh, it also comes down to too much time on your hands sometimes. You're sitting there at night and you're thinking, Scarab, that's an interesting word. I'll have a look at that on Google. Well, Most people the, have lives. The, the, the interesting thing too, usually it's horses for courses at Bundaberg. And uh, as we already said, some of these horses, 50% record, win record. That's its first start the track. And it, the same thing occurred in race two. But, Jared, I reckon there's a, the really good story of the day. Surely Agent Albert for Corey and Guy, Kylie Gearan and Robbie Farr uh, again here with the first of his double. This horse, his third run back after nearly four years off the track. 
That's an amazing yes, performance. Might have just needed a, a couple of pipe openers, but yeah, you look the fourth runner go twenty seventh of May seventeen, and, and then having three and a half years off the scene. So um, yeah, they've done a really good job with this horse. Uh, the eight year old gel, uh, chestnut gelding by Helter Skelter, uh, uh, really strong win late. Um, Corey and Kylie also had uh, Tiny T in the race, who was an interesting runner. Uh, first up in these parts or, and um, maybe just found the, the sand a little bit testing on the first occasion um, in Bundaberg that is but uh, no all credit to Asian Albert uh, obviously taking a, a big training effort to get him back and, and get him right so uh, you love seeing these things pay off for, for uh, a training combination who have obviously put a lot of time into this horse and, and yeah good to see it paying dividends yeah, races two and three, actually. He was the outsider of the field, or virtually the outsider, upsetting that odds-on stablemate. And the same thing happened, of course, with Gossio, upsetting the odds-on as the outsider. But then the remaining two races, we mentioned Lucky Malchu. It's already had the win at the 260 favourite. And then the favourite bobbed up in the last to keep the punters happy for Laurie Cronin and Louise Dillon with Gambit by strategic manoeuvre. Two wins, two placings, last four. But it also, 50% win record at the track. So... The track uh, performance is coming through at the end of the day. Yes, he's he's been a good horse for a long time, Gambit. Um, yeah, he's at the six starts for three wins and two minors. Uh, look, he's probably unlucky not to or to be unbeaten in Bundaberg. He ran into Murata, um two ago, were, and they ran ridiculous time, one twenty one seventy eight, with something like point three outside the track record. And again, the time on Saturday very very fast, breaking one twenty two. Again, uh, he lost a rider one day uh, in a, a twelve hundred twelve metre race, and just in uh, on Melbourne Cup day last year, he, he raced a little flat. So uh, yeah, he really loves the Bundaberg surface. Um, and yeah, good to see Laura Cronin hasn't got a, a too many runners at the moment. So good to see her; she's uh, still got this old warhorse. Uh, fighting hard and, and he's going to be a big player come uh, the middle part of the year when we get towards the Bundaberg Cup. In the Bundaberg meeting, Jared, it's uh, obviously this time of the year is pretty normal for it for the nominations and acceptances to be so low um, but also a good thing on the horizon I think for Bundaberg, I'm sure I saw there is uh, infrastructure funding for some resurfacing of their track. Yes, fortunate enough to get a, a healthy grant. Uh, so we'll see some uh, some upgrades with the track. Um, I know a lot of the participants will know that uh, with the Bundaberg Surf, and there is quite a, a significant camber, and whenever we get some decent rain, a lot of that sand can wash from the outside uh, down to the inside sort of half of the track. And, and quite often, you know, it sort of races like a heavy 9 or 10 uh, on a sort of grass track uh, rating. So uh, I think if we can, uh, yeah, do a little bit of work with the track, hopefully level it out a little bit, and we'll get a really um, even surface right across the uh, the surface and when do Bundaberg race next Jared our next meeting is the uh, the 13th of March big Catholic schools race day and um, that's our last Saturday was actually the first time we had uh, general admission back at the gate since uh, uh, we're uh, obviously uh, trying to uh, to get past these COVID times so hopefully we get a, a really big crowd out there for the uh, the Catholic schools meeting in mid-March oh we'll look forward to catching up with you on Bushbeat again then uh, uh, to uh, follow up that meeting in a couple of weeks time thanks for joining us this morning Thanks very much, Tony. Thanks, Rob. The winners, the people, the places, and everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat. Rob, we always like looking at uh, the multiple winners. It's hard enough to win a race anywhere, but uh, when you can manage to uh, bring up a double like Robbie Farr did there at the Bundaberg meeting on the weekend, it's always worth highlighting. Uh, on Australia Day, we had the uh, non-tab program at Kilcoy. Jake Malloy and Pat Duff with doubles there and Jeffrey Schrader with a training double at the Taroom meeting that finally got underway uh, on Saturday after being washed out at Boxing Day and then washed out in the new year. 
Yeah, we'll head to that Taroom meeting first. The uh, left-handed track, one of four. I think we have this question every year, Tony, the four left-handed tracks in uh, Queensland, Nurima, Taroom, uh, Baduri and Birdsville. And this meeting, yeah, it's been unfortunate many times to get washed out, but it finally happened. And the honour's pretty evenly shared across the, the board uh, at this meeting. But Geoffrey Schrader, great to see the double that he's got there because he's done it well with uh, Valar Dahiris in the uh, memorial race there, the Sam Barlow Memorial Benchmark 50 handicap. And uh, Rhiannon Payne on this four-year-old by Fast and Famous. Four wins now from 17. He's two from two at the track. So Valada Harris obviously doesn't mind the left-hand way of going, getting up over Melvaggio and Raku's Secret. And then uh, Jeffrey combined with Hannah Phillips in the final event with uh, Aklovic, the Rossi five-year-old that's had one win from three at the track. And it was first up since September, so a good training effort there defeating a run, Pam, run and froze. Good to see Brendan Newport back in the saddle. He had a winner for Graham Banks with Miss Cruzy, the Dusty Moon four-year-old uh, mare. It's been in the money at its last two. Defeated uh, Nasico and Wanala Lady. And calculated risk for Craig Smith and Dan McGilvray. Uh, Dan down to a two-kilo claim now, combined with the four-year-old by Akid Mafid. Second at Dangul at its last run, defeated Kenford and Blaine. And the other result on the day has a, a four-horse field here in the main event, the Leichhardt Hotel Bob Scott Memorial Open handicap over 1,200 metres. And Billy Johnson and Dakota Graham, the team combining there with Necessitas, a Zazinto five-year-old there. Only had second run from the stable. It's an ex-Victorian, and it ran at Rocky last uh, week. So backed up quickly and often the case after a quick backup. And a near outsider in the field, defeating a good old music scene. He goes around uh, consistently for David Reynolds and Leanne McCoy. And last Armageddon into third place. So uh, Tarum would be very pleased to get that meeting out of the way with the 33 acceptors there on the day, Tony. And uh, as we said, Jeffrey Schrader, the double on the day out of that meeting. From all reports and from some of the images I saw coming through on social media, the Australia Day meeting at Kilcoy was an absolute cracker. They had to... Uh, a five race program there with uh, with the 50 runners but they had a, a very good crowd in attendance and it looked like everyone was enjoying Australia Day. Yeah and I mentioned last week I was just astounded in some way I probably just got so used to the good effort that Racing Queensland's put in with getting uh, country tab meetings happening across the board and I was probably astounded that this, or assumed that this one was a tab meeting but it was a non-tab meeting on Australia Day and as you said earlier, Jake Malloy and Pat Duff. I think Pat Duff's on a bit of a roll at the moment. I've seen a couple of winners uh, in the provincial area, I'm sure, too. But he got it with Boom Chuckalucka, the Felvalon mayor in the Class B with Hannah Richardson on board. Then he combined with Ronnie Goltz with the Love Conquers All mayor in uh, Devillen that had backed up from the Sunshine Coast on the Sunday. So there's that backup form coming through again. Now, Jake Malloy, he bookended the program. He went with Glenn Peterson with Miss Lucinda, another strategic manoeuvre. And it's two from two at the track. It's one of those tracks, Kilcoy, uh, with that straight there, that shorter straight, that they can really uh, kick off the turn and enjoy. And it was uh, first up since September. Good uh, training effort there. And he can rock me for Cameron Taylor and Jake Malloy, the four-year-old by Mullazem third run. This prep took out the maiden, the final event on the uh, program. And uh, there was another winner there, the Grouse, Jackson Morris and Gary Stevens, another Mara Zara getting up with a first up run since September. But uh, that meeting followed on, of course, didn't it, from the uh, the trots on the on the Monday was the TAB meeting. Uh, and they have that uh, with the Mooney Valley of the North, they have that stall gift type race day 
on this particular day. And great to see the social media. I don't have those results in front of me. Sorry, Consul, <laughs> this morning. But uh, that's always an added attraction at that particular meeting. You're right about Pat Duff. And as you say, we're always working in the background. And it's more curiosity, folks, that you look at and you think, yeah, I have seen Pat's name up there in the winner's circle a while. And, yeah, half a dozen or so winners this year out of uh, about 30 runners is not a bad strike rate for, for Pat with his boutique stable there at Deegan. Those two at Kilcoy, Boom Chagalaga and Davillian. Uh, then on, uh, well, in fact, I think it was last Saturday, you had a winner with, as you say, Perfect Dame. Uh, one there, Aravadurchi Roma, the week before at the Sunshine Coast program, proudly grey at Ipswich. And what was the other one? Oh, Boom Chagalaga's previous start. So that's back-to-back wins there. So, yeah, the stable ticking along nicely there for, can I say, one of the elder statesmen of the Queensland racing scene. Legend, legendary trainer and, and with apprentices as well, from what I remember in, in the earlier days with Pat. So great to see that coming through and talking about the uh, older generations I'm sure I saw Mary Hassam when talking Bundaberg before uh, Tony McMahon wrote a, a lovely article I think it might have been a Friday a meeting at um, Rockhampton she had a uh, a winner recently and uh, that was Daunting Queen that was the horse I'm trying to think of mm. uh, won the open handicap with Matty McGilvray and uh, good to see Matt McGilvray going around these circuits uh, coming back into form there but uh, Mary has a great record with um with Daunting Queen, and hopefully, you never know, she might be coming back to those cutest sales that she attended earlier on, and uh, that's only a couple of days after that uh, next Bundaberg meeting that Jared uh, mentioned. And, of course, uh, Saturday, we saw the TAB meeting up at uh, Cairns, and uh, the honours were fairly evenly shared, but uh, people talk so much about Justin Stanley getting around. Well, you, you wouldn't see Justin bob up at a meeting and not get a, a winner. He did it in the Class 1 with Utah uh, Get Me Two for Stephen Massingham. And uh, the other winners there, Emily Cass, she had a uh, double on the day, I'm sure, in that particular meeting. Uh, I can see one winner here that uh, was on Elva Saga for Fred Whelan. There were so many uh, races at that meeting, Tony. I think there's about 10 of them on the, yeah, heavy, yeah, they did. the heavy track up there, and they're all getting to the outside. I was sure I had Emily Cass down for two, but I might have just given her an extra. Uh, no, Vienna Spirit, Scott Cooper was the other one there for Emily. And uh, just running through them quickly, Bella Dell, Ralph Baker, the uh, the cutest money all went off in that race. Hard Yaka, a Yaga for Trevor Rowe and Steve Wilson was a winner. Mackenzie will do. Rachel Shred with uh, Alexander Stubbs. Vienna Spirit, Scott Cooper, Emily Cass. I've mentioned Justin Stanley. First slip, Shalee Davilia and Masayuki Abe and Oliver Saga. Uh, Roybig uh, was a winner there. Poetic Attacks, Janelle Ryan. There's a trainer that's got the team going well. And to wrap the day off, of course, uh, Shalee de Villier and Nathan Day, Ponderosa, are getting up at good odds at that meeting. But that was really good to see that meeting with the heavy 10 actually getting through and getting through that 10-event program so well. Mm, the day before, you mentioned Justin Stanley there at Cairns. Uh, Justin had a treble at the, uh, the Rockhampton program, uh, as we've uh, highlighted several times. It uh, wouldn't beat some of these provincial meetings if you didn't see Jay Stanley's name in the winner's lifts. Uh, cash car in the first race for Freddie Smith. Uh, he won on uh, Hey Pal for Clinton Taylor in the Class 4 over the 1,300 and then backed it up for Peter Fleming with Boss Baby uh, lining up there in the Benchmark 70 over the 1,050. And while we're doing the rounds of some of the multiple winners at some of the tab meetings, Mackay had the card, the midweek card on Wednesday. Ryan Wiggins and Rodney Miller combining with a double there. The opening race with Lasseter's Lodge in the Class 3 plate, 1,800, and then backed it up a couple of races later in Race 4 in the Benchmark 70 over the 1,560. 
Yeah, we uh, we don't get those provincial meetings. Uh, I think it's the next week coming around, Tony, that we'll pick them up again with Mackay on the 9th of February and uh, good little circuits. And you mentioned Hay Pell, and I was really impressed when I saw that win because it was first up. Very impressive uh, during those Guineas races uh, last campaign. And uh, it's certainly come back, and it was a, a good ride, and uh, it's one to follow, I think, coming uh, into the better class races in, in future months. But... Uh, We've only got one meeting, I think, this weekend, but it's a highlight one, isn't it, Tony? Because it's the uh, the same day as the uh, Racing Queensland, the Country Racing Queensland Awards for On The Bit uh, Racing Australia. Um, and we'll be at Emerald for their TAB meeting, and that looks to be a good program in the making as well. Yeah, very much so. It's uh, shaping up to be an absolute cracker. going to be a nice warm afternoon by the early part of the <laughs> forecast. You haven't looked further down the RQ calendar to see Dolby Northern Downs racing on Saturday with their Cannonball Flying meeting. I remember Star oh, of yes. Florida going out and uh, talking about Pat Duff going out and winning a... Uh, a flying uh, cannonball out there and breaking a track record or something like that. I don't know whether that track record still stands at Bunya Park, but yeah, Dolby are racing on Saturday as well. And those names stand out, and Dolby's got two of them, the Plough In Maiden uh, Cup that mm-hmm. occurs at one of their meetings and the uh, cannonball flying. And uh, as I said, Emerald with that uh, feature on the bit Racing Australia Awards wait for age, and I see uh, Mr Manselman has about... Um, Eight of the ten runners (laughs) nominated at this stage. So I assume that John is coming to the uh, awards night as well, which we're all looking forward to. Yeah, and I believe tickets sold out on the weekend, so it's going to be a full house there on uh, Saturday night, following on from the uh, the golf day on Wednesday, uh, the uh, the function on the Friday night, races Saturday, into the awards on Sunday. We'll need uh, into the awards on Saturday night. We'll need Sunday to recover. We'll be getting there on Friday afternoon to get ready for that weekend. Looking forward to catching up, Tony, on the weekend. But uh, I know you've got the King Island feature coming up. Uh, if you've got stories for me from any of the Queensland Country races, uh, just email me at barkersnews at optusnet.com.au, the place I'd better get back to and start work for the rest of the day <laughs> so that I can get away on Saturday and meet up there in Emerald, Tony. Good morning to you. Good morning, Rob. Have a great week and we'll see you on the weekend. Will do. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, everyone. Getting back to the grassroots of racing, this is Bush Beat. And when you talk about getting back to the grassroots of racing in Tasmania, there's probably nothing more grassroots than as they build it themselves. King Island races where the surf meets the turf, and we always say on Bush Beat that there are so many stories to talk about country racing, but I think King Island has a story in itself. Uh, for those that aren't familiar and haven't looked at the Atlas or done the Google Map search, uh, you're right in the middle of the western entrance to Bass Strait, and probably it's one of those few tracks that uh, has been going for over 100 years, but probably, uh, you know, you look at it and you think, how do they keep going for over 100 years? The voice you're about to hear is the voice that uh, you hear on Radio Tab bringing us uh, some of the Greyhound and Harness and even Thoroughbred action in Tasmania. Duncan Dornoff is with us this morning as he's been at King Island for their seven races through December and January. Duncan, welcome along to Bushbeat. Yeah, good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, everyone. And, uh, yeah, King Island, one of those places that just keeps ticking along 129 years they've been going for. That's incredible in itself. There's a lot of uh, clubs that have a lot of history around Australia, but this one would have to be quite unique. There's very, very few clubs that uh, race on an island. The other one that I can certainly think of that comes to mind straight away is the other KI that we always talk about with Kangaroo Island off the coast of South Australia. But King Island is something that we've been intrigued about on Bushbeat for many, many years, and it's great to be able to showcase it this morning. Yeah, certainly is. Of course, uh, very remote, as you say, uh, in the middle of Bass Strait on the, the western tip of uh, mainland Tasmania. And uh, given its location, I can give you one tip, it can get very windy there. 
Oh, I would imagine. I can't imagine the uh, the plane going over. You would, certainly wouldn't be going in on a 747 or something like that. It'd be a little bit bumpy out over Bass Strait or something like that. Uh, just give us a, a bit of a, a snapshot of, of how it all comes together uh, in the case of where there are the seven meetings that are held from early December right through to the end of January. Are the pool of horses brought in for the meeting? Are they trained on on the track there for that period of time? Or do they, you know, is it there a whole bunch of locals? Yeah, they're all trained uh, on King Island. So the horses are shipped in from either mainland Tasmania or Victoria for the season, trained by local trainers. So those that work on the wharf become horse trainers. Dairy farmers become stewards. It, it just, King Island's one of those places where everyone ships in to do the little bit for the community. And uh, so, yeah, so the horses are on the island. There's a couple of stewards uh, there on a casual basis, but there's also senior stewards that fly in from Tasmania uh, I was on the flights myself as the race caller, a couple of jockeys, barrier attendants, the, the bookmaker as well. And there's also a flight from Victoria where uh, a number of jockeys and other essential race day staff also fly in. So everyone ships in to do their little bit uh, for the seven meetings each season over summer. I was having a look through the results yesterday when we were getting ready for this and uh, a couple of names this season really have risen to the fore. We always see Robert Keyes with his stable with plenty of winners, but gee, on King Island Beef Day with five winners out of his eight runners, that day is certainly a, a wonderful effort along with plenty of other uh, doubles on, on a couple of other days like on the Boxing Day meeting and on Cup Day, uh, the stable also had doubles there. But Ismail Toka looked like uh, he had an absolute uh, whale of a time going over to King Island with trebles at the last two meetings and a double at uh, the Boxing Day program. Yeah, certainly uh, did ride in very good form over there. Ismail, of course, one of the leading jockeys here in Tasmania as well. And uh, that was his first season. There was a lot of uncertainty about where jockeys could fly in from with COVID and that. So there's been a lot more Tasmanian jockeys fly over this season, David Perez another. But uh, Ismail, as you touched on, a very good season for him. And he took out the leading jockeys title over there this season. And I think one thing that sort of opened the path for the jockeys on mainland Tasmania heading across is the fact that a few seasons ago, Craig Newitt decided to go and ride majority of the season over there. So I think a few decided to follow in Craig's footsteps. Yeah, once you've seen it done, it, you look at it and you think, I've got to give this a go and uh, get over there and, and try and do something like that. Like, for example, I see on uh, on King Island Beef Day, it was only a, a six-race program, but Tom Ryan ended up with four out of the winners there. Ismail with plenty of doubles and we saw uh, the whole season start off back in December with Jesse Philpop with an early double there for Jim Taylor. It's great to see uh, these these sort of names. David Perez was another that picked up a double on Cup Day. It's great to see these names bob up on the results list. Certainly is. And just another point of difference with King Island, they have a combined meeting. So there's actually two harness races on the turf track making up a seven or eight pro seven or eight race uh, program and uh, a number of leading drivers from Tasmania including Gareth Rattray who's in our Hall of Fame also making the trip over so uh, they had uh, about 20 harness horses there this season just over 30 thoroughbreds so uh, you know, while we're talking thoroughbred racing, harness racing is also an important part of the race stack. That's fantastic. I know we often talk about, and um, we, we were just there with Rob talking about Kilcoy, quite often run dual code on their grass track and we see it happen a lot in New Zealand where the, uh, the paces and trotters are out on the grass tracks as well. But it doesn't happen a lot in Australia. A lot of the trotting tracks have all moved to different services now. But again, that would just add to the, uh, the King Island uh, Carnival right through the, uh, the summer period. Yeah, it certainly does. And, uh, you know, it's something very unique. Uh, they jump on a four-wheel motorbike and put out some witches' hats, as pylons, so they're not up against the, 
the plastic running rail. And, uh, yeah, certainly is a, a point of difference and just adds to the day. Take us back to Cup Day, if you, if I can uh, take your memory back there. I know that you had uh, a stack of races. I was looking at the, the results there before. It was something like... 35 races over the seven meetings and 180 runners most days with with 25 or 30 in there. So I'm going to take you back to Cup Day, which was the beginning of January. Needs More Love was successful for David Perez and Robert Keyes. Yeah, she was the horse of the year, Needs More Love, and uh, was a, a very good effort to, to win the Cup. Um, as you said, Robert Keyes, the trainer, I think that was around his uh, 12th or 13th King Island Cup and his fourth in a race. So He's uh, definitely had a, a hand on the cup for a number of years now. So uh, interesting to see what they do with needs more love, whether they decide to uh, put her on the boat and send her across to mainland Tasmania, which a number of the horses do do after the season. The other alternative is they turn them out and bring them back in early September ahead of the uh, upcoming season. You often see that where they, yeah, there is the uh, the ability for them to be able to continue on and come over and, and race uh, perhaps at some of the northern tracks in the mainland? Yeah, yeah, you do see them go sort of both sides of Bass Strait. They're generally that lower tier horse, so you know they they might be heading to the country provincial tracks, trying to trying to find an easy race. Looking back at the weekend just completed, it was Vortex Fly In Day, and we've mentioned Ismail with his treble, but Tamara Muir with a training double, backing it off, uh, coming off the back of a, uh, a training double the week before, which was uh, wonderful to see as well. Yeah, and that was only her first season of training. She had been helping uh, Robert Keyes out, uh, I believe, uh, for a number of seasons prior, but she's branched out on her own and certainly done a, a very good job in her short career as a trainer. And uh, I know she was very ecstatic after her double there on Saturday. Uh, Judge Burns uh, was a very good winner of the last event. And, uh, yeah, she, she's had a good season. And it's just great to see a little bit of new blood coming into King Island because uh, the racing population is an ageing one. So great to see... Uh, a few, few new names they're getting in the honour of. Duncan, you mentioned about some of the concerns going back and especially when the, the season was about to get underway with the ladies' tradies day back on December 5, uh, concerns about getting jockeys in and things like that. How did the club cope with the restrictions with COVID as much as they would be reasonably remote and, and removed from a lot of it? It would still, I would imagine, cramp their style, so to speak, for a lot of people to come and see what the fuss was all about. Yeah, it certainly was a concern. Luckily for the club, uh, the border restrictions from Victoria were lifted uh, just before the start of the season. So they effectively just put uh, the races back a week to allow a set of barrier trials to take place prior to that. But from the locals I spoke to, COVID had an impact on the visitors. Tourism is probably number one on King Island with the uh, beautiful golf courses they have there and and beautiful uh, beaches. So tourism has been a major impact on King Island. Uh, there was a, an Australian racing tour group that flew in on uh, on Saturday and uh, certainly had a good time and they were off to the cheese farm and do various other things on the island over the weekend. So tourism's probably been the biggest impact with King Island and with the borders just being lifted prior to the season, they got out of it relatively well. Yeah, that's fantastic news. That uh, I know a lot of clubs have been struggling over the 2020 and to, to hear something like that with a, a club like this that only races that uh, two-month period once a year and, as you say, the whole island is so dependent on tourism. Wonderful to hear that things are, are back on the improve and on the rise. Yeah, certainly is a good reward for the committee because they're all volunteers over there. They all chip in. Uh, just to give you one quick example, on Thursday they had 90-kilometre winds which uh, blew over a large portion of the running rail. And yeah. They all had a, uh, a working bee, 7.30 Saturday morning, they had to put it all up and, and have the uh, track in tip-top shape for uh, Saturday's meeting. 
Well, I can uh, recommend uh, people go and check out the uh, the King Island Racing Club website. It's uh, chock full of information about it all. If you've heard us talking about it before on Bushbeat, and it's it's one of those ones that I think a lot would have it on the bucket list. I know of a couple of guys, uh, Duncan, when you mentioned the golf courses, yeah, they did exactly that. Uh, packed up the uh, the nine irons, etc., and uh, took the golf bag down, enjoyed the day at the races, went and did a couple of courses, and then hot-footed over to uh, to mainland Tasmania to go and uh, continue on with their racing and golf tour. And I think there's a lot of people that do exactly that, but there's still a lot, people, lot of people that will want to add it to their bucket list for sure. Yeah, certainly recommend it. And the race day I would recommend is the last meeting of the season, flying day. That was certainly the most enjoyable day of the season. So that's generally the last Saturday in January. So uh, put that one in the diary for 2022. All right, so we will look forward to uh, the King Island season coming around again. Thank you for joining us on Bushbeat this morning to give us a little bit of a snapshot and a bit more info there on the King Island races where the surf meets the turf. We'll let you head off and get busy for Devonport Greyhounds today. Yeah, pleasure, Tony, and I hope to see you on the island next year. It'd be lovely too. Thank you, Duncan. Duncan Dornoff joining us this morning on Bushbeat, wrapping up for another week. Thank you to Duncan and Rob Luck for joining us with all of the news, and we look forward to catching up with all of the crew that are headed towards the uh, Emerald Races on the weekend and the On the Bit Racing Australia Queensland Country Racing Gala Awards, proudly presented by Racing Queensland, coming up on Saturday night. Good luck to all of those who are nominated for the various award categories, and we'll be reporting on that uh, in full for you next Tuesday on the show. And speaking of our friends at On The Bit Racing Australia, thanks to uh, to Maddie and the team there, you can catch up with the podcast replay each and every week of Bushbeat if you miss the show. It's available through the links there through OTBRA. Of course, also available along with all of your other favourite Radio Tab programs on our Wooshka platform. Just do a quick Google search for Wooshka Radio Tab and you'll be able to link up with all of that. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again next week on Bushbeat here on Radio Tab.